Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Good morning, good morning. This is David Held, and it is a bright, sunny Saturday morning. Driving in, the sun was so bright, I had a hard time seeing down the road. So we got clear blue skies. It's a little cooler this morning. It's a reminder that winter is on the way. Well, certainly fall, but winter's right around the corner. Nice, bright, sunny. So uh, get out today, do some yard work. Get that vitamin D from the sunshine and enjoy it. It's going to be a little bit cooler, though. It's 810 this morning, and uh, new news, breaking news uh, on the Supreme Court Justice of the United States. Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away at the age of 87. She served on the highest court of the land for 27 years, and uh, she's a tough, tough lady. And uh, she's recently passed away. Uh, that's going to set in motion uh, a really tumultuous battle for the appointment for her position. And uh, it's, it's an important one because whether you're on the, uh, the left or the right, the Supreme Court really makes all of the big decisions from a legislative standpoint. So you can expect that uh, that's going to be a new interesting dynamic when we look uh, ahead here in the remainder of 2020. And um, so with that, we've got in September, this is Suicide Prevention Month. And so on the show here today, we're going to be talking about some of the challenges that uh, the high school students or middle school students are seeing when they're going back to school. There's a lot of unusual pressure, not just on the students, but also their parents and the families, and what are the best ways to uh, to cope with that? And so we've got some really good guests that are going to be on the show here today, and uh, we're going to be talking with Dr. Lee Reynolds. He is a Harvard-trained psychiatrist. Uh, he's a great man, and he's helped a lot of, lot of families uh, and a lot of young people as they're coping with uh, different stressors. And, and uh, I've known Dr. Lee Reynolds for a number of years, and uh, he's just got a lot of great insight and a lot of ways that we can help our children to become stronger uh, mentally so that uh, when they face these big challenges, they have a, a way to get through it. And we'll also have uh, Karen Longaback, and she's going to be on the program, and she's a local counselor here, uh, a licensed clinical counselor, and she serves the Stark County area. And then we're going to be looking at the Mission Advancement Director, uh, Melissa Kultis, and she is uh, really getting the word out so that uh, all the schools, that um, all the schools uh, out there that have students that may be struggling, they have a place to go to. So this will be 
this will be the program that uh, you'll want to listen to when you're looking at uh, ways for your children uh, that are in grade school, middle school, high school, elementary. Uh, if they're struggling, they're having some difficulty, this will be a way for uh, you to find out where you can go, what kind of resources you have. Also, the city of Canton has unfolded their program to bring 95-gallon containers, waste containers. This is the first week that they've been delivering them, and they're going to be getting out 23,095-gallon waste containers. They've been doing it this week, and they're going to be uh, doing it for the remainder of next week. Every resident, uh, if you're in a household, is going to get the 95-gallon container. This is going to make it a lot better for the people in Canton, Ohio. Most all of the waste that's collected throughout the United States is collected in a wheeled cart. That's just the, that's the new way to collect waste. A lot of you that are living in townships or in a municipality, you're already experiencing that. You get the 95-gallon cart, you put the garbage in it, the truck comes down the street, and they've got a lift either on the back of the truck or the side of the truck. It lifts the trash in, and uh, it makes it a lot easier uh, and a lot safer for the garbage collectors, because if you're a garbage collector or a recycling collector, do you know you're in the top 10 for most dangerous jobs in the United States? And the uh, waste collectors in the city of Canton, very hard workers. I mean, they're out there, rain, sun, winter, snow, they're out there collecting. It's a tough, tough job, but it's going to make it a little bit uh, better for them and a little bit safer. Uh, because they're going to have uh, better technology to help them along. But this will be really good news. And uh, and stay tuned today as we talk about the challenges that some of our young people are facing, and even our adults, uh, because this is Suicide Prevention Month, September. And we're going to have um, good people on the show today that are going to help us along in some of those areas where we may be having challenges. You're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC, and this is David Held, so stay tuned. Good morning. It's bright, it's sunny, and it's cool. I don't think there's a cloud in the sky. It's nice and blue, so today is the day to get out. If you want to do some yard work, you want to get out and exercise, you want to get moving... Any stress that you have, a good way to get rid of it is motion. Movement and motion relieve stress. Did you know that? And you look at stress. What kind of stress do we have? Do we have stress? Do we have stress in our lives today? Probably got more stress today than we've had in uh, any period of time in uh, recent history. Just a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainty, which does bring across uh, a great deal of stress. You look at the most stressful jobs, the most stressful jobs, the top 10 most stressful jobs. Number 10 would be a taxi driver. Or maybe, uh, you know, we say taxi driver. I guess that's for some of us that have been around for a few years. But the younger people, what would they say? What would they call it, John? A taxi driver? They'd call it a... Probably an Uber or Lyft driver, I would guess. Uber, yep. You're yep, right. Uber. You're right. You think that would be stressful being an Uber driver? Um, you know, I've I, I've talked to some people that say that it is, 
and I've talked to a lot of people that say that it isn't. It's just about planning your week and and planning how you do it. The only difference between Uber and like a taxi is that I mean, I guess with a taxi you're just going to be driving around all day looking for work, whereas with you know an, an Uber you're you're kind of sitting waiting for work. You know, so there is a there is a different level of stress there. I think. But still, you've got the unknown of picking up people that you're not sure who they are. You do, absolutely. Now, the funny thing is, uh, you know, you talk to my kids. This just goes to show you the generational gap. And, and uh, John, you're actually very close to being the same age as my son. So okay. uh, when I was talking about Uber, right, I called it Uber. Uber. He says, Dad, that's not how it's pronounced. It's, what do you say, John? Uber? It's Uber. Uber. Okay. Number 10. Now number nine. Most stressful job. Number nine on the list. Senior corporate executive. Senior corporate executive. They make pretty good money, over $100,000 a year, but they're saying it's the ninth most stressful job. I wonder why you think, that. why, why would that be a stressful job? Because managing people... Profit, money, got to produce, right? Number eight, number eight, most stressful job, public relations executive. That I could see being stressful. That I really could. Why do you think, why would you say that'd be stressful? Just because, I I mean, dealing with people, that's why. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, dealing, seriously. Yeah, well, dealing with people, right? I mean, it's like if we didn't, you're right. If we didn't have to deal with people, life would be really easy. Because the thing is when you're a, you know, when you're a PR person, I mean, you have to deal with the good and bad of people. And you're there's right. oftentimes a lot of, a lot of bad that you have that's to, a you know, it's the have, truth. that you have to well, clean up. It's uh, the truth. And one of the other thing is, is trying to, you know, the PR executive takes what people have done and they try to put a, a you know, a positive presentation on it for the sake saying, of the I mean, organization. I mean, would you want to be like a PR exec right now for like the president or like, you know, I mean, you wouldn't want to do that. Oh, I mean, because it's like, you know, you're, you're constantly having to spin what's going on, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure that gets tiring. I'm, I'm sure it does. <laughs> well, because really, I think what's tough right now is that, you know, uh, and I think this is really what makes it so stressful in society. It, when you look at when people start talking about politics, I mean, the, the people that are heading up the, the PR message for politics, whether you're on the Republican side or Democratic side, there is one simple goal in politics. And that is to win, mm -hmm. period. It is to win. So you take everybody's perspective, you take a comprehensive analysis of individuals and their thinking and their approach and their views on life, and then you've got to whittle it down and you got to pick one side or the other. And that's what, that's what campaigns do. They try to take various belief systems, various cultures, various mindsets, various issues and they're going to encapsulate it in either you vote for this person or you vote for that person. And that's where I think the stress comes in because life isn't about a zero-sum game. It's Life isn't about like either you're, you're on the winning side or the losing side. I mean, every day in life, every day in life, you make, you make failures. You make, if you're going you're gonna to attempt to do anything, you're going to lose more, time than, more times than you win. You know, so it's really about being able to cope with stress. It's really about being able to uh, 
um, you know, manage losing. And, uh, and today we're going to be talking about that. And I think sometimes, especially a lot of our young people, you know, you see in the media that, oh, this person's a champion or they've won and they're doing, they're, they're doing so great. And they don't see what goes beyond, goes on behind the scenes and the struggles that that individual uh, goes through because none of us, none of us want others to see the negative side. You know, how often do you have people stand up and say, let me tell you about my failures. Let me tell you about the things that have gone wrong today. Don't you think that, <clears throat> though, when it really boils down to it, saying like what your failures are and saying what your pitfalls have been, don't you think that that can sometimes humanize a person and can make them a more you know, likable candidate? I mean, not all the time. Like, you don't want every speech to be like, well, I screwed that up. You know, <laughs> right. like, I mean, but saying it, saying it every once in a while, I mean, that's, you know, we all make mistakes. You're exactly right. If you're going to stand up, if you want to get people's attention, you think you're going to stand up in front of an audience and say, let me tell you about my successes. No. Or if you stand up and say, let me tell you the three biggest mistakes that I have made in my life. You will get people listening. Right? Because so often, you know, we look at everybody else and we think that, uh, we think that, well, geez, they've got it together. I'm the one who, I'm the one who doesn't, but I'm afraid to admit it. I'm afraid to admit that I'm insecure about this or, you know, there was a speaker that went to Harvard university speaking to the incoming freshman class. And he asked the students that were all recently accepted into Harvard and they had a, an open forum. And he asked how many of you believe, and they call this the imposter syndrome. How many of you believe that the admissions council made a mistake by letting you into this college? 70%, over 70% of the students raised their hand. I've heard of, I've heard of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. it's, you, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. It's where you think that, um, you think that because uh, you know you've you've succeeded that somehow you just don't deserve it, yeah. or somehow you shouldn't be here because you fooled everybody, and uh, and just I can tell you over the years, especially when you you know look at uh, politics, especially after serving the uh, fourteen years as mayor, uh, there are some things that uh, that you do that you work extremely uh, hard on, and um, you know it's just falls apart. It just doesn't work out. And then on other areas, uh, there could have been an issue that you really didn't do anything. It was just a matter of circumstances and could have been people within the city that, that accomplished something. And it just propels the city and yourself to one of the highest levels. So, and I think that that can be really difficult, especially if you're a leader, is that, you know, recognizing that all the good and all the bad you know, you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily uh, uh, the reason for it. Suicide Prevention Month is in September. We're going to be talking about that and how you can battle stress. And we're going to finish out the top 10 most stressful jobs. David Held, stay tuned. Good 
morning. It's sunny outside. It's blue skies, and it's a little cool. Today's a good day to get outside, take a walk, take your dog for a walk. I guess you could take your cat for a walk. Most people don't take their cats for walks, do they? I've seen a few. My daughter has three cats. I, I, lo- I, lo- I love cats, but I think I love dogs a little bit more. Um, so take your dog for a walk today. Motion relieves stress. Motion and movement relieves stress. And you know, the thing is, if you're out walking and breathing, you're not eating. And that's one of the things that, uh, that I have a problem with is I like to eat too much. But we're looking at uh, stress. People have got a lot of stress nowadays, probably more so than others. And if you're somebody that doesn't get too stressed, you got to be stressed by the fact that everybody around you is more stressed than usual. You look at the most stressful jobs in America. Most people look at their jobs as stressful, but some may be more entitled to complain than others. A survey conducted by CareerCast found that 78% of the people found that they were unduly stressed at work, rating their job stress at 7 or higher on a scale of 10. That's up from 69% who said the same only two years ago. The biggest career stressor? Dealing with frequent hard deadlines. 38% of the people agreed on that point. Growth potential and Interacting with the public tied for second place with 14% of the people naming each of these the top culprit. Throw some danger into the job description and you've got the perfect storm, at least according to the analysis by CareerCast. After evaluating 200 occupations, 11 different factors including demands, environmental conditions, physical demands, deadlines, interacting with the public, Working in the public eye, growth potential for the career, wondering if you'll be able to keep your job, competition in the field, hazards encountered on a regular basis, responsibility for safety of others, and potential for harm or death. CareerCast found that the following 10 jobs were the most stressful in the United States. Number one, taxi driver, or as our younger people would say, John, the... Uber driver or Lyft. Lyft is the other one. Lyft. Lyft. Have you ever seen Lyft? No. You know, as a matter of fact, that's you bringing it up now. (laughs) Lyft. When I think of Lyft, I'm thinking like of a wheelchair Lyft. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's not spelled the way you think it is. It's spelled L-Y-F-T. L-Y-F-T. So that's like a, that's like a. That's more of a millennial organization, right? I, I mean, I would say so. I mean, I know a lot of other people that use it as well. It's, I mean, it's the same thing as Uber, just with a different name. Or DoorDash. Yeah. But that's also... different. Now, Lyft is picking people up and giving them a ride. And, and DoorDash is picking up your food and giving it a ride to your door. Well, and there's also Uber Eats, which is the, you know, the, the Uber version of DoorDash. Ooh, Uber Uber Eats. Yeah. And and DoorDash. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, they're, they're looking at it. It's, it's a stressful job. Number nine, senior corporate executive. 
They get paid pretty well, over a hundred grand. The job growth projected for 2026 is 8%. Number eight, public relations. Job growth for 2026, 10%. Well-paying job. Event coordinator is number six. An event coordinator, 11% job growth. Could you throw in for event coordinator, uh, what do they call that, a wedding coordinator? Yeah. That would be... Did you ever see the show, The Bridezillas? Yes and no. I, I know what they are. I mean, I, I know the show, and I've seen, like, maybe a clip or two. But. So the, so they're saying that a bridezilla is the, you know, when you have a young lady that's getting married, and she's demanding, and uh, she, you know, wants things a certain way. They call that the bridezilla. So that would go along with wedding and events coordinators would be considered the number six most stressful job. You're looking at an 11% career growth in that field for 2026. Number five. John, are you feeling stressed? Do you feel stressed in your job? Um, Depends on the day. Some days I feel uh, overly stressed and some days I, I come in here and I don't have any stress at all. So it just, it comes just really depends. Comes and goes. Yep. So number five, broadcaster. If you're a broadcaster, I guess one of the other areas to make it more stressful, they say it's the hard deadlines, you know, when you got to do the news, you got to get things rolling, which you do here. You're, you're a multifaceted young man. You do the reporting, you run the boards, you do the news, but they're saying the hard deadlines, uh, that's what makes it stressful. Also, they're looking at the career growth for 2026. Do you think that it's going up or down? For radio? Yes. Um, I'll say it's going down. Going down. They said 0% growth for radio. Well, well, for broadcasters in general. Okay. The number four most stressful job. Any guess? Any guess what the fourth most stressful job would be? I don't it's have a, an idea. It's in the headlines a lot. Was it like a politician? Uh, no. That that could be hazardous to your health, though, a positive <laughs> politician. No, but it's in the headlines a lot, a whole lot right now. And I'll give you I'll give you one clue. Blue. Oh, police officer. Police officer, yes. Most stressful job, number four, that's police officer. And are they looking for growth in that area for 2026? Do you think that there's going to be more opportunities for police officers or less in 2026? Uh, uh, hmm. And I'm not I, talking I about say, the defund, defund the police movement. I, I mean, I would, say, I would say there's that it's probably not going to change much. Yeah, it's actually a 26% growth. 26% growth. I think it's going to be... You know, and when you think about it, when you're looking at police officers, and this has just been my experience over the years uh, up in the city of North Canton, hired dozens and dozens of police officers over the years. And uh, it is, it is, a, it is that job, I believe, is the toughest job in America because people want you to be a psychologist. They want you to be a social worker. They want you to be an enforcer. They want you to be a customer service representative. Then you got to deal with elected officials, supervisors, and the public. 
And uh, you got to want to do that job, you know. Uh, definitely a stressful job. You're looking at a 26% growth for 2026. Number three, most stressful job, airline pilot. I would say that the most stress would be the landing. You're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. This is David Held. Stay tuned. Good morning, this is David Held. Nice, bright, sunny outside. I don't think there is a cloud in the sky. It's nice and cool. If you like that cooler weather, I actually like, I do like the cooler weather. I like the change of the seasons. And, um, you know, we're going to have, we've got fall that is that is upon us. I was cutting the grass the other day and I saw a lot of leaves in that lawn. The leaves are starting to come down. And we're talking about stress. A lot of people are going through stress nowadays. There's a lot of stress. And how do you handle it? Our kids are going through stress. Parents are going through stress. How do we deal with it? How do we manage it? You know, the real challenge is, is that life is going to throw you all kinds of difficulty, a lot of difficulty. And, uh, you know, as I always encourage my, my own children, and this is also, you know, when you consider you have a... Um, when you have a child with special needs, it's like you have inherently you want to protect them. You want to look out for them because they're, they're so much more vulnerable when they go out to school, uh, when they go out you know, into life. And, uh, but really it ultimately comes down to finding techniques and approaches that can allow them to become stronger and more resilient. And as you get stronger and more resilient, uh, you're going to be able to face the challenges and face the fears that we face every day, that we encounter every day. And I can tell you in, in life, you know, when you look at winning and losing, you know, uh, failure is just a part of daily life. It's something that we all have to be able to deal with. And, and once you can embrace and get comfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable, you know that you're going you're gonna to do much better. So we were talking about the top 10 most stressful jobs. We had number 10 was a taxi driver or also with the young generation, John, called a Uber. Uber. I used to say Uber. I didn't even know how to pronounce it right. Or Uber. What's the other one? The Lyft. Lyft. And it's not spelled L-I-F-T. Spelled L-Y-F-T. L-Y-F-T. Yes. Would English teachers like that today? I don't believe so. Um, I know they wouldn't have liked it when I was in school, so I, I don't think they would have mm-hmm. liked it. But that's either. kind of like how the young generation likes to market things. So that was uh, that was uh, number 10. And then we were looking at uh, number 9, a senior corporate executive. A lot of deadlines, a lot of demands. Number 8, public relations executive. Number seven, John, you can relate to this, news reporter. Do you feel stressed today? No, not today. Yesterday I kind of did, but not today. Maybe because I'm here in the room with you bringing so much joy and excitement. Could that be it? 
could be a, a you don't see you, you guys don't see him like the, the look on his face right now he's like rolling his eyes like go oh, please could, could be could be a please, piece of it i please. I, I mean it could. <laughs> wrong all right number seven news reporter number six event coordinator and John, that could be some more stress coming up for you next year. Yeah, well, I know that we hired a uh, wedding day planner, so um, we did that so that you know, on the day of our wedding, I mean, we didn't have to worry about how things are going to go, and if they have a question, they can come to us. So you know, that's something that is, I guess, taking some stress away. But still, you know, that that day, I feel like regardless of how that day works out, that day is going to be a day that you never forget, but it's also going to stress you out a little bit, regardless of what happens. Because it's just like, you're always going to worry, are things going to go right? Are people going to enjoy it? And like, oh, you want to enjoy absolutely. it too. Absolutely. You want to enjoy the day too, but like, you don't want to, you don't want to have a bad wedding for other people either. No, 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 you don't. And you know, you've got that famous movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Did you watch that movie? Yeah. Yeah. That movie is uh, very well... Uh, respected within the Greek community. It is, and 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 you are Greek. I am. You are Greek. Yeah. So you're going to have a big Greek wedding. Um. Well, not not necessarily. We're gonna have a big wedding, but we're not gonna uh, follow the the traditions within the Greek church. We're just gonna do a a big wedding and. And so you're going to like you're going to limit it to 2,000 people. Uh yeah. I mean, you know, we're gonna fill up Tom Benson <laughs> Hall of Fame Stadium. <laughs> Well, you know, then it's adequate size, adequate size. Okay. So event coordinator, that is number six. Number five, John, you are really in this list of stressful jobs. Mm -hmm. Broadcaster, broadcaster, uh, looking at 0% job growth. Number four, it was police officer. We know how stressful that job is. Just not an easy job. And, 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 I'll tell you, anybody who's out there as a police officer, we need good people. We need good people to be police officers. And if you're thinking about it and you've got the ability to handle that, uh, the stress in a very, very changing environment, highly encourage you to do it And because uh, we need good people to be police officers. Number three, this one is understandable. An airline pilot. Why would you say that would be stressful? Why would people think that an airline pilot is a stressful job? I mean, if one thing goes wrong, I mean, you know, you're you're constantly, you know, worried about those things. I mean, plus how many movies have been made about about disasters in the air? I mean, the 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 job lends itself to issues. Snakes on the plane. What yeah. was that movie? The snakes on the plane. Yeah, there was that. There was. Uh, what else was there? Um, well, there was that comedy show, Air, uh, Airport, right? Yeah, there was. Well, there was Airport, and then there was Airplane. Airplane. Air, right? Airport was not really a comedy. I mean, Airport, the original Airport movies, those were serious. Those were serious. Wings was also uh, Wings. That that was a a funny show. That was a good one. Yeah. So airline pilot number three, job growth is four percent. You know, I would say that the stress would be on the takeoff and probably the greatest stressor would be the landing. You know, I had uh, a good friend of mine, a fellow that I had worked with for years. He had his airlines. Uh, he was a pilot. Okay. I was in my 20s. I always wanted to go on a small airplane and I thought, gosh, I'd like to 
you know, maybe I'd like to get my license someday. So he brought me up, and uh, we're flying in this little two-seater and um, and moving along. And I thought, wow, this is so exciting. And then I looked over at him, and he was sweating. I mean, just sweating profusely. And you could see that he was stressed. He saw that there was cloud cover that was coming. And I said, you know, I said, Ralph, what's, what's going on? He's like, well, I don't have my... I don't, I don't have uh, my rating for, you know, handling cloud cover, you know, the instrument reading, there's a certain level. So I'm thinking, shoot, he was, you know, he was uh, quite a bit at the time older than me. And I thought, what if something happens? What if he passes out? I better, I better, you know, learn how to land this thing. Right. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. So I said, you know, do you mind if I take over the control? Just, you know, I'm thinking just in case he said, you want to do that? I said, sure. So he said, okay, I'm going to let it go. You've got the, you got controls. And I took control and that airplane took a nosedive. And then I pulled back too quickly and it started shooting, you know, cause I had absolutely no training. But what I'm saying to you is that it is not easy flying a plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is not like in the movies, like you're going to grab the steering wheel and somebody's going to guide you down. Right. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And, uh, and so then we ended up going to that little Carrollton airport. And it was so windy, terribly, terribly windy. The plane's just bouncing around. He he came like within six feet of hitting the, the landing pad. And he had to pull back up. He says, no, it's too risky. Too much wind is blowing. I thought, oh, dear God, how much do we have in the gas tank? <laughs> so we ended up uh, coming back, making another landing. We landed, and he said, well, let's sit down and have some pie. They've got great pie. I'm thinking, pie? I'm thinking about getting an Uber. Okay, so uh, when we come back, we're going to finish with the top two most stressful jobs. And then we're going to be talking to uh, Melissa from Child and Adolescent Services a little bit after that. And we're going to be talking about ways that you can handle stress in today's world. Good morning. It's nice and sunny outside. It's also cooler outside it's getting cooler fall and winter is around the corner but i don't think that there was a cloud in the sky and so today is a good day to get out get some exercise take a walk do some yard work cut your grass motion relieves stress and when we talk about the stress that people are facing there's there's really a lot of stress to go around because we've got a lot of uncertainty uh, especially with the children going back to school and on the line with us today Thank you for joining us, Melissa. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. It's nice to nice to have you back on the program. You were here on on the show earlier uh, this yep. week with uh, John. And, and I was. We had a good time. And uh, so you're working out at uh, Child and Adolescent Services Behavioral. Yeah. Right. And you're in charge of the Mission Advancement. And tell us a little bit yeah. about the. Uh, about your responsibilities out there and what you're doing for the community. So um, I'm with Child and Adolescent Behavioral Health, uh, Director of Mission Advancement, and we are responsible for all of the marketing, advertising, fundraising, uh, event coordination, and visibility of the agency. So it's our responsibility to make sure that we're reaching out to the community and letting them know that our services are available throughout Stark County. 
And so you've seen growth. Uh, the past couple of years, there's been like a, was it a 30% growth in your, in your yeah, organization? Yeah, so over the last 30, or over the last two years, um, CNA has seen a 33% increase in clientele. So we have definitely seen a spike. Um, we have four offices now. We opened uh, an office um, on the Plain Community Campus, mm-hmm. and we are in the um, area where the Mercy um, Healthcare Center used to be over there on the campus. So if you have parents that uh, they're listening now and they see that their kids are struggling, and I think one of the biggest challenges, and uh, you know, especially being a parent, is is recognizing when the children you know, need professional help and uh, and 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 how to go about that. So if if you have a parent that is out there now listening and and they're thinking, "Gosh, I, I see that my child's struggling, but I don't know if we should call someone or not," uh, what would you advise them to do? So. Um... David, we have, has, so we have four offices throughout Stark County. We've got the Plain office. We've got a Shipley office downtown. We have our Belden Village office, and we have an office in Alliance. But we also have school-based clinicians. So we have eight partner school districts throughout Stark County, and we have a therapist in every one of their buildings. So we're in more than 50 buildings across the county as well. So there's a lot of resources out there for parents. Um, The first place that you might want to start is going to childandadolescent.org and looking at our website and just kind of perusing our list of services and what we have available. And then the next step would be reaching out and calling the office to make an appointment or reaching out to your school counselor to set up a time to meet with your school-based clinician um, in your school building, I think would be the first place um, to start as far as looking for services. And it's not, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be long-term services. Maybe the parent just wants to call in or bring their child in for a consultation just to see, you know, this is something new. We haven't seen this before. Um, we're experiencing some anxiety. Maybe it's due to covid and we just want to talk to somebody and see if this is, you know, if there's just maybe some tools and some things that you can help teach us, um, some resiliency um, skills and, and exercises, or is this something that we should maybe, you know, become a client C- of CNA and begin therapy and see where it goes. You know, it's it's just really um, when you think about it, parenting is tough. It's it's not an easy thing, uh, and especially when you're you're trying to, you know, you get different personalities and children respond differently. And uh, you know, one of the things that I've found is that when you have a child that is strug- struggling with, uh, you know, a mental health uh, or um, with depression, it I would just encourage encourage people because I've seen it in our own family and you know we had one of our children uh, my one daughter who who gave me full permission to share this with uh, with all of you uh, when she was struggling with her depression it was really really tough because it, it came out as uh, you know uh, and not in the way that you would think it it really came out in her behavior as far as being angry and um, and so you, you you wouldn't think that it that she was struggling with the depression, but uh, going and, and calling somebody 
to set up an appointment, it, it can be a really, really difficult thing because your mind plays tricks on yourself. You're, you're thinking, well, I think, I think we're okay. I think it's not a problem, right? I mean, do you see that when, when people are reaching out to your organization that there's, there's just a, the overwhelming nervousness and apprehension? Um, it's, it's not an easy thing to do sometimes. So mayor, I'm sorry. I'm having, um, some difficulty hearing you on the line today. Okay. Okay, Can you hear, are you able to hear me uh, better now? I am. Okay. So when you're looking at, when you're looking at people that are, um, you know, they're struggling as far as, you know, their, their depression, it can be a difficult thing to reach out. I mean, to, to reach out. There's just a level of nervousness that goes along with, uh, you know, with that, with the whole challenge of uh, dealing with a child who is is uh, um, depressed. Do you see that in you know people that are calling, the parents that are calling, that apprehension, that nervousness? We hear. Um, I mean, we hear a lot of that. You know, we have personal connections, personal conversations. We have clients who call in. We have. You know, parents that are apprehensive about reaching out, um, you know, as parents, we all struggle with, you know, is this normal behavior is, or is this something that we need to seek some help for? Is this, you know, are people going to judge me if my child is in therapy? Are people going to judge me Judge me if I have to, you know, if my child is on medication? Um You know, how is my child going to react to this? Is it going to, you know, are they going to feel pressured to go. I mean, there's so many unknowns. There's so many questions. And and again, the best thing to do is just to have that conversation, have that initial conversation to see if your comfort level improves, to see if their comfort level improves and, and move on to that next step, whatever that might be. And that, and that, that you know, I agree with you. You are right on with that because you know, one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest difficulties is when you're struggling or you see your child struggling, you know, nobody wants to, it's hard to acknowledge that it's like, boy, this, uh, this, this could be a bad situation here. Uh, but when you read, when you take that time and you make the phone call and you reach out, only good things come from that. I mean, reaching out and, and kind of breaking that, that silence or that isolation makes a big, big difference. And and that's what you're encouraging people to do. Definitely. I mean, so if we talk about right now and and all of the challenge that all of us are facing through this pandemic and the isolation our kids are facing and parents who have typical children who they're seeing signs that they've never seen before of, you know, anxiety or depression, um, just lasting effects from what we're all going through. You know, that's one thing that CNA tries to share with the community, too, is you're not alone. You know, all of us are going through this at in, in some capacity, right? And as parents, we try to take on so much. And what we need to realize, and it's what we tell our children, too, is we don't know what we don't know, right? Right. And there are experts in this community that can help. CNA works with zero to 24. We have, you know, experts in our field who solely work with children day in, day out, and they know how to handle these things. You know, as a, as a communications person, you know, I'm, I'm drafting and editing a lot of materials, but reading it, you know, as a mom also is that this, 
is available to us and we have these services and we have parenting classes. And as I'm reading, I'm like, Oh, that's a really good idea. That's a great tip. You know, especially especially being a, being a parent. I mean, you can, you can relate to, you can relate to the services that you're providing. That's what makes you good at what you're doing. Melissa, if you're able to stay with us through the break, we'd like to cover a little bit more uh, with you about some of the challenges that parents are facing and uh, the difficulties that they face as far as the stress and what they can do about it. So if you can stay with us, uh, we will be back and we'll uh, talk a little bit more about this. Would love to. Thank you. Hello, this is David Held, and we're talking with Melissa Coltis from Child and Adolescent Behavior. And uh, Melissa... You're talking about, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of growth uh, in your organization. It's a nonprofit organization, and you're there uh, with with the counselors and all the medical professionals, uh, medical health professionals, to assist our elementary and high school students with uh, anything that they're struggling from a mental health perspective. And uh, and what are some of the challenges that that you're seeing now? Uh, with with our youth as compared to maybe in years previous, or is it the, is it the same? Are the challenges the same? So I'm getting a break up a little bit, but I think you're asking about challenges that are arising right now, and and maybe some new challenges that we're seeing due to the pandemic. And so we are seeing that there is, you know, a lot more, and we're expecting a lot more growth over the next year as youth learn to deal with stress and anxiety and depression due to the lasting effects of this pandemic. And so if we can, again, just remind the community, David, that we are out here, that we are available. If you have questions, if you just want to talk to somebody to see if you could receive some benefits from seeing a counselor, that's why CNA is here for you. And we're definitely um, wanting to help you through these situations. And that's, you know, some kids, um, and we'll talk about this when we talk about Children's Mental Health Awareness Week, but you have kids that are in a classroom all day now at school, one classroom. You know, you have kids that are working from their house um, in their living rooms and they're not with the other, you know, kids. You have kids who have ADHD or autism who are trying to navigate buildings that have one-way hallways and, um, you know, four staircases to go up, to go down. You have to remember which is which. And, you know, there's just your daily normal routines are very different than what they were a year ago. And, you know, for kids, kids are very resilient, but they could also use some help, you know, along the way. Yeah, that's, you know, when you talk about the, the children that are studying from home on online, that that would be a real, I mean, because, we've, you know, we've seen it um, where they're, they're, you become isolated, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's like something that, especially if they're, if they haven't been homeschooled or, you know, they, they really haven't taken their classes online, you know, we, we saw, uh, we had a good taste of that at the end of the last school year where really all the students were, were forced to, you know, the teachers and the students, which changes the whole dynamic of the teaching method, you know, for the teacher and for the student. And so uh-huh. that does bring additional stress. What about as far as, uh, you also have students too, where you have special needs students, right? Uh-huh. And, and you uh, have a child with special needs yourself. I do. 
And uh, I do. Um, that was kind of my personal, the personal plug there a little bit. You know, I have a, a freshman, so I have a, a child who's starting a new, new school building. Um, he struggles with, um, some ADHD we, and, and he is on the spectrum and, you know, we gave him that option. Do you want to go to school or do you want to work from home? And my husband and I, you know, in the back of our heads, we're thinking, oh, we hope you want to go to school because we just know that that's important for him. And, and he said, I want to go back. I want to go back to school. And, and we said, okay, and we'll, we'll help you along the way in any way that we can. Um, we went and took a tour prior to school starting of the, of the building. We walked his schedule. We looked at the signs, you know, that they had hanging up. Um, we worked on which hallways, you know, he needed to go down, which staircases he needed to use, where his bus is going to drop him off. And, you know, it's just those extra things that are so helpful to kids. Um, uh, and, and then, you know, kids who have, who are already struggling or who already have things that they're working to overcome, you know, there's also those children who have that and they are, they're also dealing with the mental health side of things as well. So again, it's just, allowing CNA to help with some of that burden. And the other thing I wanted to mention too, David, is um, since March, CNA has been providing telehealth services as well. So parents who are still apprehensive, as a lot of us are, and parents who still have anxiety about going out, um, we have the ability to do telehealth uh, counseling services as well. So we are doing in-person and we can do um, the telehealth services for your kids. Yeah, see, that is, um, you, you know, actually we've had a number, uh, you know, I had a doctor's appointment myself uh, on, a, on a telehealth. And, you know, it really can be, uh, it, it's a great way, uh, you know, to get to get the medical services that you need. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether you show up in the office or whether you're doing it, uh, you know, online, uh, either way is, uh, I think, is, uh, you know, is going to be helpful. But one of the worst things is just not taking any action. Right. You know, if you see that there, if you're struggling, and it's just a, it's just the nature of, it's just our nature. It's in our nature when we're worried or concerned about something uh, to to put things off or, or to just <laughs> we, not deal with it. We do it for it. ourselves, right? We do it for ourselves. We do it, you know, how many of us haven't scheduled our annual physical or, you know, the, we, we do it's it's part of our nature. You're right. I mean, it's a, uh, uh, you, you know, and if you're in that situation and you're listening now and, and you're thinking, uh, maybe I should call, maybe I shouldn't. I want you to, I want you to take action and do it because really it's the best thing for your children. It's the best thing for yourself. And if, and if you are ready and, and you know, you need to take that action, Melissa, where should they call? If you've got a child who is struggling or you think they may be struggling, you know, with, uh, with depression or with, uh, you know, uh, attention deficit disorder or, or just, just anything, they might be behaving just differently than what they normally would do. Well, what would you encourage them to do? So I would encourage them to call our office and I can give you that phone number a few times. Um, but it's three, three, zero, four, three, three, six, zero, seven, five. So again, it's three, three, zero, four, three, three, six, zero, seven, five. And they can also visit our website at childandadolescent.org for more information as well. 
child. And again, John, I mean, David, you're right. It's just that first step, right? It's 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 picking up the phone and, and calling in and talking to somebody. And um, I promise our staff is so friendly and they're so welcoming and, and they'll be as helpful as they possibly can. Well, this is so nice. Melissa, it was great having you on the program. And, you know, the work that you're doing, you're clearly making a difference. You're, you're in, increasing, you know, you've got a nonprofit organization that is, is equipped and prepared and ready to help young students. And uh, you're helping to advance the, the cause and the growth of your organization, making services available and accessible to the uh, elementary students and uh, high school and middle school students. And so keep up the good work. And we're glad that uh, you joined us on the program. Thank you so much, David. And thank you for ha- having us. And um, just a quick plug, um, all of our schools, our um, Children's Mental Health Awareness Week is going on right now. So all of our partner schools are receiving positive messages, um, positive affirmation announcements and post-its. And um, we just want to say thank you to Altcare and Stark Mar for allowing us to make that happen and to reach even more kids and let them know that you know, their today does not dictate their tomorrow and that there's always hope and that um, there's always services available to them. All right. Well, Melissa, thank you for being on the show. And uh, and we will talk again soon. This is David Held. You're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. And when, when we come back, we're going to be talking to uh, Karen Longeback, and she is uh, a counselor with uh, with hope, with hope. I like that, with hope, behavioral health. Good morning, this is David Held, and you're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. And uh, we're talking about some of the stressors that our students are going through, that are children, elementary, middle school, high school. A lot of stress, a lot of stress when they're getting back into school, uh, especially, uh, you know, with all the things that are going on in this world right now. And uh, we have Karen Longenbeck. She is a licensed practical clinical counselor with Hope Behavioral Health. And uh, Karen, you are contracted to provide services uh, to local high schools right here in Stark County. And how are things coming along? I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you, David. Okay. Can um, how about now? Is that better? Yes. Okay. So you're uh, so we have on the line with us. We have Karen Long and back, and she is a licensed practical clinical counselor with Hope Behavioral Health. And you've been a counselor for eight years, Karen. And uh, you really specialize in providing services to uh, students, to the middle yeah. school and high school students, and uh, and you're providing services out there in uh, Minerva, right? And then Northwest? Minerva and Northwest schools, yes. And so you've been at this for a long time, and you're, you're a mom yourself. What are you seeing uh, differently? What are some of the stressors that uh, the children are facing uh, today? Uh, there's a lot of changes with COVID that they're dealing with, just like all adults are dealing with. Um, so students that are going to school, um, the ones that I'm talking to in the school, are talking a lot about worries about bringing COVID home to their families, especially students who have maybe someone who's medically fragile at home, uh, students who are living with grandparents, um, and they're just afraid that they might be responsible for making them sick now that they're in school around other children. 
Yeah, that that can be tough because you do have a lot. There's a lot of students that are um, living with their grandparents, and uh, yeah. and, and so then they have that concern because a lot. Uh, you know, you see a, a lot in the media that they're saying that the children, you know, for the most part are, you know, the, the they're just not that. Uh, uh, it's not going to be that problematic for themselves if they were to get it. You know, assuming that they're healthy, but that. It's that fear of of contracting something and maybe being asymptomatic, but then bringing it home to their to their grandparents, and that's adding stress to the students. Uh, yeah, is, exactly. Is I have one? students who live with younger brothers and sisters that have medical problems, and you know they're concerned that they might give it to one of them or to a parent, especially if they live in a single parent home. They think. What happens if my mom or dad gets sick and I don't have another parent that can take over? What would happen to me? Um, so there's lots of those types of concerns. Um, you know, just wanting to be careful, not wanting to, to feel responsible for someone getting sick. And that's really one of the tough things. I think, you know, when you're when you're talking to the to the young young children is that, you know, there there's just uh, you want to bring that encouragement, but then you certainly don't, you know, the children, they can't take on the responsibilities of the whole world. You know, there's, we're just, they're just limited. And that's what, that's what can be tough because, you know, they don't want to disappoint their, their parents or their family members. And, uh, and then you have all of these things that they're seeing in the media, which really could just increase their worry and their stress. And uh, and so what you're what you try to do is just just bring encouragement to them and and get them to focus on what they can do rather than what's what's out of their control. I would think, right? Yeah, exactly. So I you know I meet with those students. I try and normalize their fears because everybody is afraid of getting someone sick. So you know that's a normal um, fear to have, but to also tell them that um, having a little bit of anxiety about that makes us be more careful, makes us wash our hands more, makes us wear our mask, you know, do things that prevent them from bringing it home and that that's all they really can do, that they can do their best to protect the people they love, but not to let that anxiety and fear overrun their life. So, you know, telling them that um, they can do their best, but that that's enough, that you know, people can contract this in any way. It doesn't necessarily mean that it would come from them if they, their family did get sick and that we're not going to worry about something that hasn't happened yet. If their family does get sick, then we'll, we'll start to talk about what to do about that. But right now, it's not something that we need to spend a lot of time worrying about. So it's okay to worry a little if it makes us change our behavior and be more safe not okay to worry so much that it's keeping us up at night, that it's preventing us from eating or sleeping, um, preventing us from doing our homework, things like that. That's too much worry. So that's when we want to try and reduce it. Now, Karen, you're also seeing too that uh, I would imagine that not uh, not only with uh, the students that are living with their uh, with their grandparents or somebody that from a health perspective is more vulnerable, what are you seeing as far as students that are doing more work online or maybe they're just exclusively doing uh, home learning as compared to going uh, into school? Are, are you seeing the effects of that in, in a positive and a negative way? 
Absolutely. So I see a lot of students with ADHD and autism. Those are two of my specialties. So those students are really struggling with um, working online. Sometimes they already have attention issues. And so um, trying to complete work without someone helping them to do that, without helping them with time management, that can be very frustrating. So then they're fighting with their parents more because their parents are frustrated that they're not doing the work. So I'm seeing that type of thing happen, as well as students who are doing the work well at home, but just feel very isolated from their peers. So um, kids really thrive on being around other kids for the most part. And so when they're not around other kids, they can feel very isolated and sad um, and depressed. And, you know, when you talk about being, you know, social, I mean, just just as an adult, I know that, you know, myself, that if you're not, uh, if you're, you know, it's always good to, you know, have alone time. But if, you know, if somebody is, is isolated for a lengthy period of time, it's just we are social creatures. And it's it's real important to, uh, uh, you know, to, to have that connection with other people. But but you're saying that really, especially with the students, that when when they find themselves isolated or they're not able to interact, you know, I would I would think that that would just uh, increase the you know their sense of worry and concern, and they might you know tend to just overly focus on on some of the negative things. So, you would encourage them when you when you're talking with uh, some of the students that you're counseling, you're encouraging them to to get out and and to and to interact, right? Uh, what what are some of the other yeah. recommendations that you have? You know, positive things that they can do to help deal with their stress. So I'm, if they can find ways to interact with other students, I'm encouraging them to do that. Sometimes it just means online, um, but that's the way that they're used to interacting online. So if they can find, um, I have some kids that play Dungeons and Dragons online. Um, some of the libraries are reopening. So maybe a program at the library or the Y um, anyway, or even going outside in the front yard and trying to find some other kids to talk to. Um, we've kind of gotten away from that as a society, so they don't even think about doing that. They say, why don't you, you know, take your bike or your skateboard outside and see if anybody's out there that you can talk to. Um, they can also do things like get an interest if, if they're not able to leave the house, if their parents are very worried about them interacting with other students. They could find an interest um, or a hobby that they could really get into. Um, that can be helpful. Just taking a walk can be helpful. Um, exercise creates endorphins. So even walking around the block, playing with your dog outside, things like that. Students don't always think about those things as being helpful, but they really can be. Right. Just just taking a walk, getting out, and uh, and, and movement. They say that when you're moving or you're in motion, that it relieves stress. It, like you said, it gets those endorphins uh, rolling, the, the physical activity, sometimes sitting behind the computer, especially if the students are just working online. Um, it, it can be, it, it can really be very limiting. It can be mentally, you know, obviously mentally stimulating, but then physically it's not. So it's like they have to kind of change things up, change their day up a little bit. And, and you're encouraging them to get outside and walk and move, ride your skateboard, ride your bike, right? And, and are you finding that, uh, you know, the students, when they report back to you, that they find it as a, a positive, uh, you know, positive experience for them? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, the more that they can interact with people, I think the more I notice a difference when I talk to them the next time they are feeling more hopeful. So for adults, we know that this pandemic is likely, you know, long-term in that it's longer than most things, but short-term as far as our life is concerned. For kids, they don't always get that this isn't how it's going to be forever. Um, And that's any situation. It can be a breakup. It could be anything that's going on at school, bullying. They don't always get that this is a short-term problem. And so they start to feel very hopeless, like, this is what my life is going to be like forever. So another thing that parents can do is just remind them that this really stinks for right now, but this is a short-term problem that we will get back to going to school, seeing our friends, doing normal things. I know it seems like a long time, but in the in the grand scheme of life, this is a short-term problem. So kids struggle with that anyways, and I think with this pandemic especially, they struggle with understanding that. You know, I think that's such a good point because I notice just, just as a parent or, you know, just at work when you're um, – when you've got a lot of life experience behind you, you know that uh, that this, this, you know, you're going to get through this, that this time, you know, shall pass. But when you're dealing with uh, kids that, um, you know, in elementary school or high school, it can seem like, like there's just no escape. And it's really that, that matter of perspective, right? That just trying yeah, to help them like see it's ruining their life because they've heard that high school is the best time of their life, and so this is them ruining their life, um, and they don't understand that you know they're this is not really the best time of their life, but also right. that uh, <laughs> that things will get better. Um, and I do want to say we don't want to minimize that they're stressed and say, oh, stop worrying about it. It's not a big deal because it is a big deal for them. So I wouldn't say minimize it and say, oh, just get over it. But say, you're right. This really stinks. And I, I don't like it either. But, you know, things will get better. And so kind of um, validating how they feel, but also reminding them that things are going to get back to normal at some point. You know, it's it's interesting you bring that up, too, because it's like as parents, we, we you know, the, the goal is to really we want our children to do well. We want them to um, to be able to develop a sense of resiliency and and to have a healthy attitude towards the challenges and the problems that they have. And then at the same time, I think, um, you know, what we've learned just just myself as a parent that uh Sometimes children that are struggling with depression, uh, we've seen this in our in my own house, that the depression does not manifest itself. The symptoms do not manifest themselves in a way that you would think. You you would think that, well, if if a child is depressed, that they're that maybe they're just withdrawn and quiet and you could see the depression, but sometimes that can come out in other forms, right? The symptoms. If somebody's struggling with depression, it's not necessarily what you would think. Absolutely, yeah. So kids don't always seem sad when they're depressed. Um, They still have to go to school. So they're still living their lives the way that, you know, everyone else is. They're going to school. They're still participating in sports. And on the inside, they might be struggling with depression and feeling um, 
having thoughts uh, like I don't want to be here anymore. I wish that I wasn't here. Um, the not active, like I'm going to kill myself thoughts, but still thoughts like they don't want to be here. Right. Um, and that can lead to some risky behaviors. So um, sometimes when kids are depressed, they'll do things that they know are dangerous because if um, they die, then it wouldn't actually be suicide, but they wouldn't be around anymore. So we look for those types of behaviors. could be smoking or vaping because they know that those are dangerous things that can kill you. Um, could be driving erratically. Uh, could be just doing risky things that they know might hurt them. Um, and that's kind of a passive suicidal thought type of thing um, that I always look for when I'm talking to kids. Well, Karen, it's gr- it was great to have you on the show here. And, you know, uh, you're, the, the work you're doing is really, really important. And you've been a, a licensed practical clinical counselor for eight years now, right? And, uh, and, and you're, you're out there helping make a difference with the young people and their families. And uh, it's Hope Behavioral Health that you're with now. And uh, we're just really glad that you're on the show. And uh, Thanks for having me, David. Yes, we'd, lo- we'd love to have you back again, okay? Okay, thank All you. Right. All right, we'll see you. And uh, you're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with uh, Harvard-trained psychiatrist, Dr. Lee Reynolds. And he's going to be uh, giving us some tips as to how we can manage stress and uh, help our children through that. Good morning. It's uh, just after 10 o'clock, and it is a good day to be smiling because it's nice and sunny outside. I don't think there was a cloud in the sky when I was driving in here this morning. Uh, we had uh, there was so much sunshine, I, could, I almost couldn't see the road. And uh, so uh, bright, bright, sunny day, a little bit cool. And uh, as a guest today, we have Dr. Lee Reynolds. Uh, Dr. Lee is uh, Dr. Lee Reynolds is a Harvard-trained psychiatrist. He has a practice right here in Stark County in Belden Village. And, uh, and Dr. Reynolds, you've been uh, you're changing a lot of people's lives. And, and I know that you've worked personally in, in our own family. When you have uh, children uh, or a child that's struggling with depression or uh, attention deficit, I mean, you've done a great job. And so we're really glad to have you on the show. Well, thank you, David. It's great to be with you this morning. You see a lot of stress that that kids are under right now, and um, you know very much. Yeah, how as parents? I mean, I remember when when we saw that our one daughter was struggling with the depression. Um, it was, I mean, you know, uh, serving as mayor and and having a lot of responsibility, and I know I can handle stress. But when you see your child that is, uh, you know struggling mentally whether it's with suicide thoughts or with depression that i mean it can be absolutely overwhelming and debilitating you you almost you you don't know what to do and uh what we did was made a a call to your office and that was the best thing that that ever happened to us Um, well thank you i i think that call is a very hard call to make 
I mean, it, it I, is. It is because, and, and you know, even when we went into what I have to say is that, uh, you know, the, the personnel that you have in your office, they are so warm and so kind. And, you know, it's funny because you, you just feel like you're, um, you know, when you're going in to a situation and you're admitting that it's like we don't have things together. Uh, I mean, you're, you know, uh, your legs are shaking. It's so, and and I hate to sound like overly dramatic, but I'm just uh, sharing this with with the audience because, um, you know, you might have some people going through this, and you might be, you know, uh, a dad uh, that's used to handling a lot of stress, like life and death situations. Uh, um, but uh, but when it comes to your own family, the dynamics do change, don't they? It does, and. You can be juggling the balls of life very well, but to see your child suffering cuts to the heart in a way that nothing else does. And so how, how do you, when, uh, so when you're, when you're uh, counseling, because, because as a psychiatrist, I know that your model uh, for service and, and providing, uh, you know, uh, care for people is that you do, um, you know, you work with prescriptions, but you also do the counseling too. And so it's really I, like a family uh, approach, right? It, it absolutely is. Um, I was blessed at Harvard in being in a therapy program, and I'm actually the third generation protege of Sigmund Freud. Oh, to wow. me, the idea of mind-body makes lots of sense, that they're that they are linked and so you can't just treat one and uh not not look at the other so really it's not just so it's really like a, a comprehensive approach it's a um you know prescription it, medicine can be helpful but then you also you need more than that too right absolutely and just like any area of medicine there is no one uh, treatment that fits all. So some people need to talk. Some people need to meet in families. Some people need medicine. Some people for a brief period might need the hospital. Part of what you get when you go to a trained professional is people who understand what works, how to get you or your child from point A to point B. Well, you know, and what's interesting, too, is that uh, because, and, and, and of course, my one daughter, she's given me permission to, you know, to share this uh, uh, on the radio uh, when she was struggling with her depression and she had uh, thoughts of harming herself, that uh, really the, the work that you and the service that you and your staff provided, it was life-changing for her and for our whole family, because uh, you just you really don't know how to deal with it. And and what I noticed is is that you were very sensitive to um, you know uh, her personality and and the needs that 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 she had and how to best go about it. Because you even talked about that uh, when you were with us. And uh, and by the way, she is doing fantastic. Now. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's just like a it's it's like a it's just life changing life-changing like a like a just a different person you know the other thing is uh, too, uh dr reynolds is that and this is a lesson that that really um you know i learned oftentimes when you have uh 
a child that um, uh, attempts to take their life and you hear the family saying, we had no clue. We had no idea. I would put myself in that category. And I think I'm really good at reading people and understanding situations and stressful circumstances. But I had no idea, no clue that that we had a child in our family that was in high school struggling with depression. I didn't see it. And do, do you see that a lot where, where you have family members that they, they don't see the symptoms or I think it may be because it manifests itself differently than what people might think. It, it does. So when you get a, an illness, like an infectious illness, there's a clear before and after. But when you struggle with depression or other types of mental illness, it's a slow slide. And it's very hard as a parent. Uh, I can speak personally. Uh, it was hard when my son got depressed to see that slide. The other thing is I'm in awe of how families navigate such a complex life now. And so it's not that uh, families, parents can just sit back and analyze every day how their kids are doing. Uh, we've got all sorts of pressures on us. And, 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 you know, isn't it something too, when you look at, um, you know, you, you can't help, but, um, but uh, there, there's a certain bias that we have. Because, uh, you know, I remember when my one child had riding her bike and she fell off the bike and, you know, you want to you want to you teach your children resiliency. Right. You don't want to be an overly panicked parent. But when she fell off her bike, she was complaining her arm was hurting. And I remember, ah, you'll be OK. And then two days later, the arm is still hurting and we take her into the emergency room and it ended up the arm was broken. And then you just feel like a terrible parent because it's like, how didn't I see this? You know? And, uh, and so it's, it's like, you don't have x-ray eyes. You can't, you know, you can't see. And so sometimes if you're, if you're in doubt, what, what would you say to parents that are thinking, boy, my, my child just isn't behaving, uh, like they normally are. Or I think we have a problem, but maybe we don't. I mean, what, what's the best thing for parents to do? The best thing would be to sit down and talk with your child and try to get a sense of how they see the world. Now, this is different than they have at this point in their life, different ideas about the world. This is about listening for, does your child feel like they can do life? Or are they feeling overwhelmed? The second thing you can do is pay attention to some of the indicators. Is your child sleeping more than usual? Is your child avoiding talking with friends? Has your child stopped doing activities that they used to like to do so much? When you look at them, do they not seem to talk as much as they did? Are they wearing dirty clothes or don't look like they care for themselves as much? Have they stopped showering? These are signs that their body is starting to shut down because it's overwhelmed. I see. Now, can it, and see, that's interesting. Now, one of the other areas, too, is that 
if a child becomes angry or appears to becoming more uh, belligerent, is that a, that can be a symptom also? Absolutely. So uh, irritability is the number one symptom of depression in teenagers. So when you hear the word depression, I think most people think sadness. Yes. In teenagers, it's belligerence, irritability, arguing. Now, of course, you need to know your child and know, is that unusual for your child? But if it is, I would be suspicious of mental illness. Yeah, and see, one of the things, too, when you talk about, uh, you know, irritability, that was really what, uh, for myself, uh, what, what blindsided me uh, with my daughter when she was struggling through the depression is the, um, when she was in high school, is the irritability. And, and, you know, what I, you know, perceived as just being, you know, disobedient or belligerent. And, um, uh, and it was really, really strong, but really underlying is that, you know, you had, um, you know, uh, your, your child that's struggling and there, and there was depression and, um, but it was just, you know, you just, just really didn't see it really did not have, uh, you know, a, a clue until, um, you know, we, we saw that, Hey, we, we've got, you know, this is, this is becoming, you know, this just isn't a good situation. And so, um, oftentimes when you have, uh, parents and you're, you're, it's not uncommon for a parent really not even to realize that their child is, is, uh, is struggling with this. Um, Absolutely true. You know, having gone to medical school, I will say absolutely raising children is the hardest thing I've ever done. It is also the most rewarding. But there's, as every parent knows, there's no playbook. And there's infinite varieties of plays that children do. And so you're often doing your best amidst all the other stresses of life, trying to figure out how to support them. What would you say, and, and, and I, I am so with you because, you know, it's amazing. It's just like they say if, you know, you have a surgeon, you don't operate on your own family members, uh, you know, because it's, it, it, there's, there's just a different dynamic when you're dealing with your own, with your own family. And, and being a parent, boy, is just not an easy thing to do. Would are you seeing now, uh, you know, with, with the things that are taking place uh, in society now with, um, you, you can see it's, you know, with the whole COVID thing, are, are you seeing more children coming in to your practice uh, or is it still, is it still the same or what are you seeing different now in the, in the past oh, six that's months? That's a great question. I will say that there are more hurting people now than I have ever seen in 30 years of practice. Really? And I think a lot of that is the social contact that we take for granted in the United States has uh, become much more difficult. And that sense of aloneness both causes mental anguish. But for people who were struggling before, it really pushes them over the edge. 
And and so you know from and and I know that your approach is is uh, you know you can if it's needed uh, you know a prescription uh, medication can be extremely helpful, um, but at the same time you also encourage them to to make changes in in their behavior right and so what are some of the things that if if people are struggling with um, uh, you know, right now with stress or anxiety, what are some of the things that they can do um, to, well, to deal I with that? Think, absolutely. I think that's such an important question. And this is what I'm going to say is true for kids and adults. We have to intentionally reach out. We have to do things that might be unfamiliar to us or even a little uncomfortable but keeps us connected. So video chatting with people, I think is essential. I can tell you from a brain standpoint, when you see the face of someone you care about, your brain lights up so much more than if you're just talking to somebody on the telephone. Oh, really? So the, so the face chat does does make a difference. It's it's better yeah. than the than just the uh the the phone. Yeah, it's called the polyvagal system and we read people by the by their eyes and eyebrows down to the top of their lips. And they're actually cells in your brain that are specifically geared towards looking at very small variations in that. And that is, when you say you can read a face, that's what actually is happening. But moreover, that's tied very much to the emotional centers of our brain. So that the social interaction and the facial expressions, uh, it just it really does make a big impact on our mental state. It does. I'll tell you the other thing that I think is crucial which is having a routine. Now, teenagers obviously don't innately move towards routines, but routines give us meaning in life. They tell us that everything's going to be okay. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, we have a sense of our place in the world. This is particularly difficult for kids right now because of the necessary adaptations of schools. That routine is very different. And God love teachers through this. They're trying to make sense of all of this. And it creates an environment in which it's very hard to make a child feel like everything's going to be okay. Uh, Dr. Lee, uh, Dr. Lee Reynolds, we have on the line with us. Uh, Dr. Lee, we're going to take a break. Would you be able to stay with us just for a little while longer? This is a great topic, and, and the parents really need to hear this. Sure. Okay, that'd be great. You're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. We're going to take a break. We've got our local psychiatrist, Harvard-trained psychiatrist, Dr. Lee Reynolds, talking about the challenges that our children are facing today. Good morning. Uh, this is David Held. You're listening to News Talk 1480. And uh, we have on the line with us uh, Harvard-trained psychiatrist, uh, 
and, uh, and has his practice here locally, Dr. Lee Reynolds. And uh, Dr. Lee, we're talking about the, uh, the challenges that the kids are facing today and families are facing with, with this COVID crisis. And it, it, it really has yeah. changed things, hasn't it? It, it, really, yeah. it really has. How, how has it changed things as far as what you're seeing in your practice with the families? I guess I would say people are more free-floating. I think we all took for granted our routines and the way we could move fluidly through society. And now with COVID, it's not just restrictions, but it's a sense of emptiness and aloneness. And I think that's very startling for Americans. Because we're really not, I mean, it's kind of like uh, we're starting to recognize how important uh, relationships and and just social interaction brings to our daily lives, the, the positive aspects to it. I agree. And, the, and the, the varied ways that we have social interactions. So I think everybody would agree talking with your family is an important social interaction. But how about going to uh, the grocery store and standing in line and talking to the person in front or behind you, or just nice words to the cashier, which now through masks and a sense of oddness, you can't do quite as fluidly. Right. So really what we're seeing is that um, what, what we're seeing, they're, they're saying that the mask itself can, you know, although it's, it's, it's positive from a health perspective, but from a relationship perspective, it, it does limit um, it, there's limitations as far as what, what it brings from a social perspective. Is that, is that correct? It, it does. And let me be really clear as a physician, wearing the mask is the single most important thing we can all do to get this virus gone. But yeah. you're right. It is another social limitation. So it's like you have the intended consequences of, of preventing the, the spread uh, but at the same time, there's there's unintended consequences that we have to endure, which is just the, the, the social restriction that comes along with that. Right. To me, as I, I look at our lives, when people say they're under a lot of stress, I think it's because we have thousands and thousands of those contradictions. When we were at a younger time, the tasks we did were repetitive on farms and maybe in factories. And there was a sense that there was less to do. But now it seems there are so many of these decisions. Do I spend more time at work and make sure I keep my job? Or do I go home and be with my family? So it's constantly we're facing that. And you're, and you're saying, too, that the that that really one of the mechanisms to help us keep, uh, you know, in a healthier state of mind is to try to bring routine or to bring order to, to our lives the best that we can, that, 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 that repetition, that is a, that is a good thing, you know, planned repetition. That is right. Our brain is called an associative brain. And what that means is we take little pieces of information and we 
put it together in bigger and big, bigger pieces. And because of that, we as humans, our brains feed on patterns and rhythms and a sense of wholeness. And that's where those routines become so important. Well, Dr. Lee, this has been great having you on the program. And in closing, uh, you got a lot of people out there, they're, they're struggling with a lot of uh, you know, just uncertainty. And, and what would you say would be the top two things that you would recommend to anybody that's listening out there that uh, you know, might be struggling with uh, just feeling down, alone, depressed? What would be the, the two recommendations that you, would, that you would like to share the, with the listeners? The first is reach out. And fortunately, with electronics, there are a lot of ways to do it. And it's not that complicated, even for people who might be older and not used to that. And the second is keep hope. This is temporary. Our civilization will continue. And the things we know and love about the United States and our culture will continue. I tell kids, this is sort of like you get the flu, you go home, your life stops for a while. But then it ends, and our life recommences. It's like we this time too shall pass. We will get through this. Amen. Amen. Do- doctor, thank you very much. Dr. Lee Reynolds, he's a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, and he has a practice right here in Belden Village. And, Doctor, you do have a website, which is uh, for kids? I do. Yeah, go ahead it's, and share it with us, please. It's fourkidhelp.com. That's the number four, like one, two, three, four, kid, K-I-D, help, H-E-L-P.com. That is great. Dr. Lee Reynolds, doctor, thank you for being on the program. Uh, Continue to do uh, the, the great work that you do. You're making a big difference in the lives of a lot of people. Thank you, David. Take care. Okay, thank you. When we come back, we're going to talk about, we're going to finish out the top most stressful jobs, top, top 10 most stressful jobs. Stick around. Good morning. We're coming up on the 11 o'clock hour. It's nice and bright and sunny outside. It is a lot cooler. But if you want to get outside and uh, have some movement, some motion, they say movement and motion. Uh, relieve stress and everybody's going through a lot of stress a lot of stress these days and speaking of stress one of the uh, things that we've covered here is uh, what brings the stress and uh, a lot of people they find stress with their workplace you know a lot of uncertainty in the workplace the top 10 most stressful jobs number 10 was the taxi driver or the as john you would say the young millennials. Uber or Lyft. Uber or Lyft. Number nine, senior corporate executive. On average, they make over $100,000 a year, but they got a lot of stress. Then uh, number eight, public relations executive. You take the problems and you got to put a positive spin to the problems in an organization, in a corporation. Number seven, news reporter. John, are you feeling stressed as a news reporter? Not today. Today I'm just tired. Today you're tired. You're up too late last night. What were you doing last night? Uh, I had a thing called high school football. Going high on. school football. So that was fun for you, right? Uh, Reporting yeah. on, on high school football is fun. Well, I mean, it was, and so you have to get up. So you have I mean, to get up, right? Then it's not fun yeah, anymore. Yeah, sleep deprivation. It doesn't have, well, sleep deprivation isn't a job, so 
If you don't get enough sleep, you're going to have a lot of stress. So news if reporter. sleep deprivation was a job, I'd be the CEO right you'd now. You'd be the CEO. You're not getting enough sleep. You need more sleep, John. Uh, number six, event coordinator. Event coordinator, and I would include in that wedding event coordinators. John, you're going to be having the need for an event or a wedding coordinator because you're going to be getting married we are. That's uh, going to be in May, and uh, obviously we're excited about the uh, the fact that we will have a wedding coordinator. It'll make uh, Allie and, and my life a lot easier that day, and we won't have to worry about everything getting in the right place. She will just take care of it for us. She's going to take care of it for you. So that's if you uh, get good pictures. I mean, that's the one thing that, uh, you know, of course, the memories, but uh, the the pictures. If you get good pictures from the wedding. That's a good thing. That's coming from somebody with experience. Okay, and then number five, broadcaster. Broadcaster, that's you also, John. You're in the you're you got <laughs> you're doing two things here. And then with the wedding, you know, news news reporter and broadcaster are in the top ten for stressful jobs. Why do you think that is? I mean, just because I think of how the, the constant news cycle is. I mean, I don't think that we ever get a you know, we ever get a break. I mean, we're just always kind of, there's always kind of constant work going on that. And and know. the deadlines, they say it's the, it's the hard deadlines. And, uh, as I'm looking at the timer, John, see John, you know, when you're in the radio station, John sets up a timer for me and he's making hand motions like, Hey, uh, you got to take a break now. You got to get moving. You know, he's all, it's so, so the deadlines are, that can be stressful. When we look at the next, Okay, that was number five. Number four, we know this is a stressful job. Police officers. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely a, a really, really stressful job. But I would encourage anybody out there that is considering being a police officer, we need good men and women to serve as police officers. It's a tough, tough job, especially today. But we need good people that are willing to take on that responsibility and and I think it's really the toughest job in the United States uh, because you're you're putting your life on the line and and we need people that can keep us safe. Okay, and then number three, an airline pilot, most stressful job. Number three, airline pilot. I would say that the landing would be the most stressful, right? That's according to you, right? <laughs> according to a non-pilot, a non-pilot. I mean, I'm I'm trying to relate. When I'm on, when I I'm not worried about the takeoff. I'm worried about the landing. You know. Have you flown since that day that you tried that? Oh yeah, my oh yeah, that's right. When I was on that plane with my with my buddy, my actually my my boss when when I was back uh, first started a job in medical sales. He we're up in the plane and I just said, hey, in case something happened to you, you know, happens to him, I I figured I better take control of the plane, and that did not go well. Had had no way at all of controlling that plane at all. And I just turned it back over to him and I was just, please God, get us, get us to the airport. <laughs> then when we got to the airport, we landed and he said, they've got great pie. I'm thinking, I'm not thinking about pie. I'm thinking about whether I should call a Uber. Maybe I should call a Uber. They didn't have Uber back then or a taxi or a ride. Cause I was a little nervous getting back. You in said it. Uber. Yes. Yeah, what Uber. Yeah. Well, how do you say it? It's Uber. 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 That's what my kids keep telling me. It's Uber. Yeah, you 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 say Uber. Uber, right? It's not Uber. Come on. It's like learn the grammar here. So Uber. 
wrong. Exactly, exactly. So I ended up. Did did you do you think I went back in the plane with him, or did I call for a ride? Uh, you probably called for a a ride. No, I I didn't. I I went back in the plane with him. Oh wow! And and uh, was the pie good? The pie, the pie. I wasn't thinking about the pie. I was thinking about making it home. I was thinking about whether or not I should chicken out. And but I, I ended up getting back in the plane. We did make it. We landed, and everything was okay. So airline pilot, I would add to that airline passenger, especially if we're in a small plane. And you see your buddy who's flying, who's sweating, <laughs> telling me that he doesn't have the instrument rating for cloud cover or darkness. Yeah, I mean, I I think that I think that flying in general is a pretty stressful thing. I mean, I've only flown like once or twice in my life, but I mean, you know, the couple times that I've done it, because I'm just not a big fan of it. Like, if if Allie and I are going to go somewhere, like we went to Houston a couple years ago and we drove. I went to Tulsa two years ago and I drove. Because you didn't want to get on the plane if you didn't have to. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that, that I think it's actually less safe to drive a car by national numbers, statistics, but um, I guess if, if something's going to happen to me, I'd rather it be in my own hands than... It's that lack of control yeah, be, that brings the stress. Be in someone stress. else's hands, yep. That it, brings the stress. And you know what's funny? I can relate to it, but boy, I can get on a plane right now and I will sleep. I mean, it's like, this is downtime. This is time to relax. With exception, if I'm in a small plane, and at least on a large, large plane, you know you got a backup pilot, right? Mm-hmm. In case they, uh, in case they get too tired and fall asleep, right? Uh, okay, number two, most stressful job. We got a lot of this going on out there in California and Oregon. Any guess what the number two most stressful job is? Firefighter. 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 I mean, that's, gosh. um, I mean, can you even imagine what that would be like? Be tough. I mean, you got to be physically and mentally tough to do that job. I mean, oftentimes they're just, they're dropping people. They're, they're, you know, uh, some are parachuting in. Some are being dropped off via helicopter, and and they're out there trying to control the best that they can the uncontrollable, and that's a, a wildfire. You know the winds are blowing, a tough tough job. Now we're going to come up on the number one most stressful job, and this is uh, according to a career analyst that they did, number one most stressful job. Any guess what that might be? I'll give you a hint. It's it's um, right along the lines with police, but on a larger scale. Like, I mean, there's a couple different things that could be that could be like FBI, CIA. It could be mm-hmm. like a, a soldier. Your, your soldier. That's it. Military. Military personnel is the number one most stressful job. And actually, uh, when it comes to the pay. They're one of the lowest paid. They're paid on average $26,800. And the job growth for that uh, uh, occupation is not not uh, very high. Uh, it doesn't have a projected job growth. Uh, it's unpredictable because you're going to have, you'll have uh, elected officials, politicians making the decision whether they're going to grow it or, 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 or reduce it. Uh I, li- I like this song, John. Thank you for playing it. I like this. Uh, 
We're so glad that you listened to our program today, and hopefully you're, you're able to uh, manage the stress of life uh, a lot better than what we've had uh, you know, over the, the past six months. A lot of stress going on with families. If you have any issues, any challenges, get out, walk, cut your grass, reach out to somebody, get on the phone and talk to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. That's the way we're going to get through this. John, thank you for producing the show today. And uh, it's sunny, it's bright, there's not a cloud in the sky, it's a little cool, but get out and enjoy the day. You've been listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC, and uh, this is David Held signing off.